Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, May 12th, and this is your FT News Briefing. U.S. inflation, you guessed it, it's still at a 40-year high, and it'll cost Europe a pretty penny to cut itself off from Russian gas. Meanwhile, Turkish officials are pressuring banks to limit foreign currency transactions to try and stop the lira from its freefall. Plus, one of the world's biggest global banks is under pressure from a Chinese company to break itself in two. This is genuinely one of the most significant events in, in recent history for HSBC. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Turkish lira has fallen nearly 50% in the past year, and Turkish authorities are trying another tactic to prop it up. The FT has learned that Turkish officials are pressuring banks to limit foreign currency purchases by corporate clients. One senior Turkish banker says officials have to call to ask who the buyer is, even on one or two million dollar purchases. Bankers say they have little choice but to comply with demands to seek advance approval from the central bank for large foreign currency purchases. And in some cases, commercial banks have been ordered to refuse to make foreign currency purchases for their clients altogether. Stocks fell hard yesterday after the latest report on U.S. inflation. Consumer prices in April rose at a pace at 8.3% annually. Inflation was actually lower than it was in March, but was higher than economists expected. The price hikes were driven by food, new vehicles, plane tickets, and shelter. Even more worrying, we saw a pretty substantive jump in underlying services inflation. That's our U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith. So that's excluding energy uh, as well. Now that rose and it's been steadily increasing um, over the past couple months. So this was, again, another sign that uh, inflation is very much becoming a persistent problem. Now, on top of all this, uh, the latest jobs report came out last week and it showed that the labor market is, is still pretty tight. Colby, how might this affect the thinking at the Federal Reserve? It's certainly an important factor for the Fed. Labor market shortages uh, are something that uh, Jay Powell, the chair, has again and again pointed to as as a very worrying uh, development in terms of uh, the actual uh, trajectory of inflation over time. And the issue is that when you have a very tight labor market, you have quite a lot of upward pressure on wages as employers are having to compete for workers. So long as that tight labor market persists, you're going to have this underlying upward pressure on inflation that the Fed is actively trying to uh, counteract. Now, could this latest inflation report undermine what the Fed has said about you know, keeping rate rises to 50 basis points or below? So that's a big question for investors is, you know, is 75 basis points fully off the table? And from Powell's indication, it's going to take quite a lot for the Fed to move in that direction. We'd have to see probably a a much more substantive increase in inflation, further evidence that it is increasing from here and settling at a much higher level. So it seems as though the bar is quite high for that type of aggressive move. But more than anything, it's probably adding another half point increase to the docket this year and pushing back uh, the time in which the Fed moderates back to quarter point percentage increases. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. Europe's plan to stop using Russian oil and gas will cost the bloc nearly $200 
billion euros. That's according to a draft plan from the European Commission seen by the FT. It lays out the cost of extra investment over the next five years to move away from Russian energy. That cost is on top of existing plans to spend more on carbon reduction. The EU will also have to lower energy consumption to meet ambitious targets by 2050. Russia's war on Ukraine has been a wake-up call for Europe about the dangers of its dependence on Russian energy. The EU plans to publish the plans next week. A big drama in global banking is the effort by a Chinese company to break up HSBC, one of the world's biggest banks. The Chinese company is Ping Ang. It's China's biggest private insurer, and it wants HSBC to split into two operations, one focused on Asia and one in the West. And Ping An can do this because it's one of HSBC's biggest shareholders. Ping An would be effectively forcing HSBC to return to its roots. I mean, it, it started as the, the Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank. The FT's Asia financial correspondent, Tabby Kinder, is following this. I think we got to this point because Ping An has got to a moment of utter frustration with HSBC's share price, but also the fact that in the beginning of the pandemic, the Bank of England forced UK banks to stop paying dividends. And in this part of the world, in Asia, so many retail investors and, and, and big investors rely on dividends as, as part of their income, as part of their retirement planning, etc. And Ping An's one of those. It uses the HSBC dividends to offset the liabilities in its uh, life insurance reserves. So, To have a regulator thousands of miles away in the UK ban HSBC, which for all intents and purposes has become a a very Chinese and Hong Kong focused bank, to have a UK regulator prevent you as a a 9.2% shareholder from receiving quite a significant dividends that you you reliably have, have been using every year is going to really affect your business and your financial planning, etc. So I think that was the, the kind of the last straw for Ping An. So Tabby, are there political or, you know, geopolitical motivations as well? Ping An thinks that at HSBC, that is an Asia-focused bank headquartered in Hong Kong. It's not under the regulatory control of the Bank of England. It thinks that that bank would be more nimble. It would be more autonomous. And it also thinks, which is debatable, that an HSBC that was entirely in Asia, kind of China-focused bank, would be less vulnerable to sanctions. The geopolitical context has been that for years we've had this issue where the US is imposing sanctions on Chinese companies. So there is some speculation that Ping An thinks an HSBC that is China-friendly and ring-fenced in Hong Kong would be protected from that. But we just don't know if that's clear. Lots of shareholders have said that it would still be vulnerable to sanctions. Now, does it make business sense to split up the bank? I mean, HSBC has already been shifting its operations to Asia and and shrinking its operations in the U.S. and Europe. Most of its profits come from Asia. Would shareholders support a breakup? I think people think that at the very best... Ping An calling for this will force HSBC to speed up its pivot to Asia to maybe have to do some kind of consultation that ends up in cutting more costs and doing other strategic moves more quickly. But from a business perspective, I mean, it's hard to see how it makes sense. It would it would be hugely costly. 
there is no real plan yet. So we've had some shareholders, quite significant shareholders, speaking privately to us, tell us that they think the idea is certainly worth exploring. So the HSBC should get consultants in to start mapping out whether a breakup would be possible, what the costs would be, etc. But everyone's keeping a low profile so far. So we're waiting to see if any shareholder comes out and um, calls for a vote on, on whether this should happen. Just out of curiosity, what do you think is going to happen, Tabby? If I was putting money on it, I'd, I'd say that it's not going to happen. Maybe that'll be famous last words, but I think I don't think it'll go nowhere. I think HSBC will have to take this seriously. So they will, I imagine, have some kind of consultation or serious review that they will be forced into that will look at a full breakup, but also other measures that they've considered in the past, such as staying as one bank, but relocating headquarters to Hong Kong. And I think that's probably a, a more likely outcome. Thanks, Tabby. Tabby Kinder is the FT's Asia financial correspondent. Before we go, high inflation and rising interest rates are kicking just the absolute snot out of tech stocks. And Apple is no exception. The iPhone maker's share price is down nearly 20% this year. It's gotten so bad that Apple is no longer the world's most valuable company. That title now belongs to Saudi Aramco. Rising oil prices have helped Saudi Aramco's valuation hit $2.42 trillion on Wednesday, $10 billion more than Apple. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.